Welcome to Lamestream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on the Twitters at Braden Gall. My name is Steve Cavendish. You can follow me on the Twitters at Scavendish. If you like this show, please rate, review, subscribe, smash the subscribe button, destroy the, the subscribe button, do something very violent to it. And hey, tell a few of your friends, tell one, tell 10, tell a million, but just tell someone you love this show. And 440 Media LLC is not responsible for any damaged property that takes place <laughs> due to stomping, smashing, and or anything else you do to your phone. It's not my fault. I didn't. I didn't. Think not my fault. Any, I didn't think we had any lawyers. <laughs> we we don't. That that was that's as close as we get right there. Um, <laughs> Tim Corbin, our guest on the show, on his way to Omaha, probably as we're taping this right now, and uh, as the Vanderbilt Commodores are headed back to Omaha for the fifth time in his tenure and very gracious to give us a big chunk of his time following their super regional win over East Carolina. So uh, really ex- interesting conversation with Tim Corbin, always interesting. You could probably sit down and ask him about the weather and it would be interesting. So really excited about our guest today. We've got a few uh, housekeeping tidbits. We've got to take care of here on the front end of the show before we get to Tim Corbin, including the fact that lamestream is brought to you by Jaspers. It's Jaspers. The parking lot is free. The food is fantastic. Lots of open spaces. And oh, by the way, the air conditioning works. I got to tell you, it's not an inconsequential bit of information right now. Fortunately, it's down in only the high 80s, but it's the the heat. The heat. She's coming back. And uh, it's a good place to it's a good place to cool off, catch a game, get some great food. Go to Jaspers. Heat is great on your plate. In Jasper's, it's maybe even great in like a cocktail potentially. In Jasper's, there's a lot of great places for heat. Uh, unfortunately, outside for you and I in the summertime is not one of them. We we are. I am a cold weather, cold person who wants to be cold and indoors. And Jasper's is just the right temperature. Go to Jasper's, folks. You won't be disappointed. Yep, food's great. Parking is free. All right. So before we get to Tim Corbin on the show today, uh, a couple of uh, bits of housekeeping here. Number one. You were not on the interview, so you're going to explain to everybody why you failed the audience this week miserably by not showing up and dusting off, to use a baseball term, Tim Corbin, on the interview. Well, it starts 25 years ago when I got married. <laughs> so we'll get we'll get to that in a second. I, I thought there was an interesting situation over the weekend, and you and I maybe disagree on, on how ESPN handled the Christian Erickson situation in the Euro Cup uh, uh, over in, in Europe over the weekend. So we'll get to that as well, a, a broadcasting situation and decisions that, that ESPN made. Um, however, let's start with sort of, I don't want to call it a correction, but it probably is that. Uh, last week on the show, when we talked about Clay Travis leaving out kick, um, that, of course, is not technically true. Chad, Chad Withrow texted me last week and was like, hey, boys, did, did you guys read anything? And, and I said, you're right. That was a mistake. That's our bad. We'll issue a correction. Uh, I still stand by every single question we asked. I still think all the questions still apply because clearly Clay's bandwidth has been shrunk significantly by leaving and, and taking, quote unquote, leaving and taking his his new role um, as a radio host filling in for Rush Limbaugh. All the questions still stand. Uh, however, we do need to apologize and say, look, he's he's still standing in operating and sort of managing day-to-day operations as best he can uh, at OutKick. I mean, he's, he's still the, the president of OutKick, which was sold to Fox here a few months ago. And Clay said on, on Twitter that he's going to continue to do some OTT stuff, you know, kind of 
to be determined. I'll be interested to see, and I, and I said this is what I said in response to him, which is, as long as the Outkick 360 guys don't get affected by this, I don't care. I, I, what I hope is that you know Clay built this thing, and he's been the engine of all of the uh, of a lot of the of the growth and of the eyeballs and attention that Outkick gets. You know, I hope that his you know his, the end of his radio show doesn't necessarily diminish that and and hurt the, the the kind of the ceiling for what the outkick 360 guys have because very clearly you know that was that was part of the calculus was was they were going to be building on something that he had already built there at outkick yeah I, again i think all the questions are still very much okay and and everything we talked about i think last week was fair uh we but we've got to get the facts correct and and we sort of said last week kaylee he's leaving the company and that's not technically true. So we need to get that right. Now, um, I will say that, you know, the conversation was solid. And as Withrow said, uh, built on falsehoods, I will say at least our falsehoods are unintentional. That that is that was a mistake on our part. <laughs> we, we made a mistake and we will admit our mistake and, uh, you know, take take our lashings and move forward, Steve. OK. Onward. <laughs> yes. Onward. Uh, onward we go. Uh, so ESPN is is covering um, Euro Cup, right? The, the all the different European nations are in this big tournament, right? European Championships are held. Uh, it's supposed to be every two years, opposite the World Cup. It's it's a big deal because, from a soccer perspective, the better tournament than the World Cup. It almost the the you don't have as much chaff as you have kind of in the World Cup, and they've they've they had expanded it last year and then COVID hit and they delayed it all year. So, so that's, what's going on on ESPN right now. The coverage is great. You get, you're getting two to three games a day. Oh, it's awesome. Early in the morning. Like uh, yeah. it's awesome. Eight o'clock game every day. I'll, I'll take that. I, I know that you are, are, will watch sort of basically any level of soccer, any type of soccer. I, I have always gravitated towards national soccer over, you, you know, like the EPL or Bundesliga over or clubs. Yeah. Over clubs. I am always going to gravitate towards the international or just national nationality. It just, there's just so much juice there. And I, so I enjoy, I enjoy watching it. I was at the super regional game with Vanderbilt on Saturday and everyone in the press box, everyone all over the place is immediately like passing phones to each other and showing each other Twitter and what's going on here, what's going on there. And Christian Eriksen for Denmark, I believe in the Finland match was had sort of, collapsed on the field really i mean just an incredibly scary moment and espn took some flack for how they approached covering the situation they sort of had his face on screen for a long period of time and and were sort of going in close and and this is no different than if a football player catches a touchdown pass on the goal line and gets cracked by a safety and breaks a leg or the louisville basketball player right um that, that broke his leg on the sideline in college basketball, like how many times do you show and and how long on camera should you put the graphic material up for viewers to see? I think that's sort of the, the media debate here. You know, Erickson is one of the, if you, if you've made a list of, of the best midfielders in the world and he's played for Spurs, he's played for, uh, I think he plays for Inter Milan right now in Italy. Uh, that's his club team. But, whether it's on the international level or the club level, Erickson has been one of the 10 best midfielders in the world here for the last decade. And that was certainly part of the, I think that was certainly part of the, the coverage of it was not only did this thing just happen, holy shit, it's, it's Christian Erickson. And it just kind of added to sort of the shock value of it. 
I I tend to be I tend to be a little more I I, I want to see everything. I don't I don't want to be macabre about it. Like I don't need to see Joe Theismann's knee going backwards, you know, 50 times in a row. But I do I I do want to see that I, in the sense that it's news. I mean, right. and I and I kind of fall on the I kind of fall on the side of covering something as a news event. The the problem in these situations and it doesn't matter if you're on a news channel or you're on a sports channel is that is that oftentimes the people that are in position to to announce these things are pretty ill-equipped to do something that's not sport related. Uh, and they, they don't, they don't have, they don't have necessarily the vocabulary. They certainly don't have the experience in kind of covering this. What is something which pivots like directly into a, a breaking news event. And so th- there's a, fr- there ends up being a frustration in that the, you have these images, which are, which are on your screen and, and, and nothing really to kind of, kind of fill in sort of around it. There's not like a reporting structure there where they have reporters that are uh, embedded on the sidelines or that they can go to match officials or that they can get all of this. They're, they're just sitting there watching, you know, watching this and they're a caption service for these kind of traumatic images. But, but don't get me wrong. The Erickson collapse is not only news, it's major news. Uh, and we didn't find out until like the next day that they actually they actually brought up paddles and they defibrillated defibrillated him on the field to bring him back. He was dead, and I and we can say that that's macabre that that's a, there's a dead person there on the field who was revived. But at the same point, that's news, and I, and I think that we shouldn't we shouldn't look away from something simply because it's just not the sport anymore. I, I, there were people I saw on Twitter and I get, you don't want to retweet it over and over again on social media. I, I get all of that, but at the same time, this is a very real, very important thing that's happening. Yeah. You can't not look at it. Okay. How many times should a television broadcast on Monday night football show the, a broken leg that actually snapping in two and the bone coming out of the leg? How many times should you show it to, to cover the news appropriately to make sure you're showing the audience this is the news, this is what's happened, but also to sort of toe the line on gratuitous and sort of stop it before it hits that point. Is it two times, three times? I mean, I I think probably a couple of times. Uh, Warn them before you show them that kind of thing. Yeah, I I think that's I think that's a reasonable way to do it. Uh, what I don't get is the is the people saying don't show this thing that's hap- that's happening right in front of you in the sense of player laying there on the ground surrounded by medical personnel and players and whatever else, you know, cut to some, cut to something else, cut to the studio, cut to, to whatever else. No, that's, that's a real thing. That is news. Well, and- I, I, th- I think there has, it has to advance the story though, to me. Um, if he sits up, right, that's news. Like if he, if he rolls over, that's news. If they brought out the defibrillator and you actually show that that's news. I think if you're just going to put it on him and it's just like a, a guy's face for, 25 seconds and nothing's happening and he just might be dead I, at some point you, you you need to cut away show people what's happening but i think you got to cut away and say look like here's what's happening with the family here's what's happening with the coach here's what's happening with the teammates here's what's happening with the fans like show right. people the entire story and i also think that a good announcer should be able to explain and describe what's happening in the building and not just be the caption service you're talking about. If you are good at your job, you don't need medical expertise to describe what's going on in the building. Like 
it's a hush has fallen over the crowd and everyone is texting their family and and people are praying over here and this is happening over here. Like you can kind of just do that by just being a a good, good observationist at that point. It's worth noting too here that that ESPN was was sort of hamstrung by what they could do because they do not control the feed. The feed at these tournaments, whether it's World Cup or the Euros, very similar to kind of what happens at the Olympics, is an international feed that they do not have control over. They can go back and forth from the studio, obviously, and and, and they did, but they often don't have cameras in place. In a in the like for instance in a, in a Monday night NFL game often they would like cut up to the guys that are that are in the booth several times a game you, you could see them there those are not often not in place in a situation like this and by the way those announcers I think are in Bristol right now anyway they're not at yeah. they're not at the game which is a, which is a whole other question <laughs> so they don't they don't have they don't have control over the images and so they, I, I you know I do feel a little bit that they were kind of hamstrung by the international okay. kind of okay. feed piece of this. Uh, listen, I, I've sort of come around on this. At first, I was sort of like, oh, my God, you're putting him on camera too much. I, I also think you I'm agreeing with you. You have to sort of tell the story. I do think there's a, a middle ground in there and you kind of know it when you see it. Right. It's like porn. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, it when you see it and you go, all right, we've gone. By the way, too- porn not available on uh, ESPN. <laughs> we've gone not, a little. They're not we, showing that. Right. There's just we've gone a little too far. All right. We don't need to show it again. I, I think it's. Yeah. Once you show people, there's a moment where you go, all right, let's pull back and let's tell the rest of the story. So, all right, well, let's let's move on to why you were not with me on the Tim Corbin interview. The first interview we've done on Lamestream where we didn't do it as, as a team, Steve, and you, you you left me out to dry, buddy. Uh, I'm sorry, but uh, I had more important things. <laughs> no, I, it was my wife and I's 25th anniversary. Oh, congrats, uh, sort of. And... Uh, we had a kind of a day planned and nice. we didn't have the Corbin interview set up. And then, you know, this week before they go to Omaha is crazy for them scheduling wise. Cause everybody's getting, you know, tickets and, and plans and travel and practice and everything to kind of get ready for, you know, for the, this big tournament. And, you know, they, they gave us a window and I was like, um, <laughs> sorry. The only I, time folks, Steve Cavendish has tapped out and not, made it work for for you the audience is to celebrate his sappy 25th anniversary with his wife that's the kind of man steve cavendish is i will not apologize for that <laughs> you I think, will not you can't think, make me do it i think you have your priorities correct sir even though i don't like saying it out loud which is a shame because i love tim corbin i mean he's i mean you'll hear, you'll hear this in the interview and i've already listened to it you know tim's great <laughs> i mean he's just like one yeah. of the he's one of the best interviews in town uh he's just such a he's such a delight he's very i mean I, you sort of said this a little bit but most coaches are not that well spoken and 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 philosophical about what they about how they approach things yeah i had adam sparks on the 440 this week and, and he said his favorite tim corbin is philosophical and you could probably talk to him for 30 minutes and not know what his profession is and I do think that's really interesting. And I think a lot of that comes out. He's very keen on messaging. We talked about James, his relationship with James Franklin. We talked about uh, how he recruits to players. And, and certainly we talked a little baseball too. But um, this time of year, you got to talk a little ball. But um, he, he's just a fascinating dude who thinks differently about all the, the ways to market his program. And uh, I think you guys are really going to enjoy this. So uh, no more anniversary talk, no more television injury talk, just Vandy boys. Here's our conversation, my conversation with Tim Corbin. 
Tim, great to see you. Congratulations on your fifth trip to Omaha, Nebraska. H- how you doing? Are you doing? You having a good week? Yeah, good week. Very excited for the for the players for sure. It it brings on a level of busyness, but I would welcome that busyness every year at this time. So it's it's perfectly fine. How how is this trip right now? At least the, to getting to this point in the season, how has it felt different? Every year's different. Every team's different. Certainly, last year was crazy. How has this this group felt different to you? I just think the newness of the kids, uh, the inexperience of the kids. I think that that's the difference. You, there was a a sense of wonderment, at least for me personally, about what we could do uh, if we if we played well, and you just didn't know because there was so many kids that had never had SEC experience before prior to this year. And um, we got close last year and then the this, this season, someone shut off the faucet. And so being able to, to get into to this year and, and play well in the SEC, play well on the road, I think was uh, a confidence builder for the group as a whole. And then as, as we went along, the next thing you know, at the end of the year, we were playing to win the Eastern division and uh, we played well enough to do so until the very last day. And then we lost, which may have been uh, a blessing in disguise because when something is taken away from you, you recognize that you were so close, but at the same time you didn't have it and you didn't finish it off. So I think those, uh, those experiences helped us moving forward, but to where we are right now, um, I feel like it's it, it it's been a consistent group of guys that have put themselves in uh, predictable situations because of predictable habits. And uh, now we go into a situation where you're one of eight and everyone's really, really good. And we understand that there's a lot of luck that's associated with finishing this thing off. So it just becomes a one game tournament for us against Arizona. And we're going to go out there and try to enjoy it. You know, I think you probably get asked a million times about your, your two starting pitchers, and, and certainly rightly so, that they are amongst the best you've ever had, and you've had a lot of great ones. But you also have a freshman of the year candidate top of the order. You got a shortstop who just had an unbelievable series. You got a guy in the nine hole who came up with a bunch of big plays over the weekend as well. Uh, how, how do you sort of balance out everyone outside, focusing on rocker and lighter, keeping that sort of that, that balance in the locker room. Is that something you have to focus on? I think we try to do that every day. I mean, I think that's why we start the way we do in a classroom so we can center everyone in what's important. I don't think anyone ever get, well, I know no one gets too much credit inside of our group internally because we treat everyone. And I say treat everyone about uh, at an equal basis. I mean, it's, it's a very team oriented, uh, thought process in terms of how we attack a day so that that individual never really gets brought up too much. So I think the other thing about being really good at what you do is is being able to share those moments with other people and Kumar and Jack do those so easily. And I think that's been great for a lot of those younger kids like Enrique and like Carter, the people that you mentioned, because they're the same thing. They they see that it's been modeled in front of them. And then they understand that you're right. This isn't about me at all. This is about us and always will be. And I think when that, when you go from independence to interdependence on the very first day inside of a program, and that becomes a staple of the program, and it becomes mentioned every day, then I think the individual gets weeded out really, really quick. Now, there has to be some individual successes in order for your team to do well. But at the same time, the the, the focal point is the group. 
Is there ever a point in the season or in a game where you have to you have to kind of like back off and let go and sort of let them do the work? Let I mean, maybe later in the game you're managing more. Like, is there ever a moment where you have to just just sort of hands off the wheel a little bit? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. I, I think I've learned that through the years, Braden. I think, you know, I think when you're a younger coach, sometimes you want to insert yourself at certain times. And when you do, you you understand that you didn't need to and that maybe you're getting in the way of a natural situation that could happen organically and you didn't need to be part of it. I think that's the area probably where personally I think I've grown the most and understanding that sometimes you just put your hands in your pocket. You become a parent that said, you know what? You created a foundation for these kids. Now let them drive the car. Let them let them do the work. I mean, they earned that right. And uh, the only times I feel like I want to insert myself is if I feel like it's going to help them and us and 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 help provide an outcome. Not saying it will, uh, but I but I feel confident that it would, or at least give us an opportunity. Otherwise, then I just gonna I'm gonna let it go. I I, I think there were, there have been too many times in the past where you do that and you, you find out that you might be inhibiting progress. How has your approach to marketing your program? Because we know the coverage nationally has grown sort of exponentially over the last 15 years during your tenure. How has your approach to marketing your program locally and nationally evolved over the last decade and a half? Um, well, social media certainly helped that, but I don't have anything to do with social media. Um, but what I have to do is uh, I'm very aware of the product. And I think at the, at the beginning of the year in, in, inside the classroom, there's a lot of time taken towards why people would want to watch you, why would they would want to come watch Vanderbilt baseball. And the reality is if people want to come see you, it's because they're pulled emotionally towards wanting to see you, not just because you win, but the way you win and how you share that attitude with the people around you. It has a lot to do with energy. And I've always told the kids that if they can create energy on the field, it, it, it has a boomerang effect in the fact that you send that energy up into the crowd. And when the crowd feels it and they feel pulled towards it, then actually they get more excited and they send that energy back to you and it exponentially becomes greater on the field. And I've always looked at our, our program like a, a good restaurant. You can control the food, you can control the service, you can control the ambiance, and then at that point right there, the customer controls whether or not they want to come or not. And if they want to come, it's because they want to. You didn't pull them there. They did it because of their emotion for what they're seeing and what they're feeling and what they're eating. And that's a, that's a point that back in that's a September classroom session. That, that's talking about that. And but then after that, then it becomes a daily message to them on, okay, if this is the product that you want to produce, then it becomes uh, a daily vitamin. Then it's, it, it's investing enough mentally and physically into the product so that you can create that for people to want to see. And that's really how I've, I've done. Maggie and I are out in public every night. We go out to dinner every night. So I feel like, you know, we're Vanderbilt people, but at the same time, we're Nashvillians first. I mean, we're here, we're Americans, and then we're Nashvillians. And we love wearing that moniker because I just feel like you want to share your 
I'm not going to say wealth, but you want to share your experiences. You want to share your personality with other people. So you get to know people on a personal basis rather than just that's Tim Corbin, a baseball coach. Now that's Tim Corbin. He lives on, you know, he lives in Nashville. He lives on Whitland Avenue. He's just a regular Joe. He coaches baseball, but that's really not who he is. And I think Maggie and I have tried to uphold that. You know, I, I wasn't going to throw Adam Sparks under the bus, but I will a little bit here because you, you already sound a little bit like a philosopher. And I asked him, you know, to sort of describe you. And, and, and he said, my favorite Tim Corbin is philosophical Tim Corbin. Uh, mm -hmm. he, did, he did mention his second favorite Tim Corbin being passive aggressive Tim Corbin after losses generally. But you, you can comment <laughs> on that in just a second. Uh, but clearly the philosophical stuff is already coming out in, in just this conversation. When, when did you settle on... And I guess it's constantly evolving. But when did you settle on sort of your methodology to to communicate, whether it's to recruits, to the media, to the like? When did you figure out that that's the kind of coach you were going to be, or did you always have that at the beginning? Well, I've always wanted to teach, and I think I got to be careful sometimes because I, you know, I don't want people to think this guy loves to talk and likes to hear himself speak because I think sometimes when you start doing that, it sounds like that, and I don't. But I like to teach. And I, I think from that vantage point, then if you like to teach, you have to communicate some way, somehow. And I don't always communicate through words, but I, I felt like that's probably my, was my calling. I think the more I got into it, Braden, it's like you get into this thing because you enjoy the glove, the ball and the bat. And then as you start to get older, you start to understand, well, it's more than that. I enjoyed that piece of it, but I, I, I enjoy imparting any type of wisdom experience on other people to help them grow. And I think that's that's the area that I've enjoyed the most. And through that, been able to, to meet other acquaintances, other people that have uh, helped shape me and helped shape this experience for the kids. And I I just like sharing. I like sharing that part of it with, with other people in hopes that it will help other people. Well, and I, I think I think people in this community certainly have picked up on that. You mentioned other people. James Franklin is someone you're very close with and is a master communicator. There's no question about that. What have you learned uh, as far as coaching, running a program, messaging, communications? What have you learned from from Coach Franklin? Uh, a lot. I mean, James is just so passionate. He's just so passionate about what he's doing. You see it come through in his pores every time he speaks to the kids. I mean, he. He, he has a genuine love for kids. He has a genuine love for competitiveness. And I think when, I, when I'm around him and when I see him, it's just, I, I love that. I'm, I'm pulled towards him because I, I, I feel like if I was ever a kid, I'd go play for this guy because he just, he makes it fun. He makes the environment fun. Um, you know, not name dropping, but, you know, guys like Brad Stevens, I've enjoyed my association with him because he coaches and teaches in another way. There's a sense of calmness around him. Gino Oriyama, I love Gino because Gino is just so confident. He's just so matter of fact. He's so black and white. He's so real. He doesn't take himself seriously, but yet, you know, you know that, boy, if I had a daughter, I'd want my daughter to play for him because my daughter would have such thick skin after playing for him. And then <laughs> that's how you would want your daughter to be. And so I just think that the benefit of being around as a baseball coach for 38 years is the benefit of meeting people like yourself and other people that are around baseball, but yet you learn so much from them just because you're around them. Lamestream is brought to you by... 
Jaspers. <laughs> it's the Euro edition of Jaspers. <laughs> yes. And, and <laughs> oh man. Um, By the way, my computer just asked me if I wanted to set up professional audio in audio sessions. <laughs> My I, computer did not like that. Like, yes. <laughs> Great parking lot. Have you guys seen the parking lot at Jasper's? It's I pretty, mean, it's pretty awesome. Pretty it's, awesome. Uh, it's substantial. Do, do you wide think, ranging? <laughs> do you think Jasper's um, wants us to continue to lead with how with the parking lot, or do you think they want us to talk about like the ambiance, the atmosphere, the drink specials, the great food, all the you know, the chairs you can sit in and the different events and things you can do inside, or do you think we should keep starting with the parking lot? Well, we, we, I, I will say this, uh, at my anniversary dinner last night, we did not go to Jasper's. I'm very sorry to the folks at Jasper's, but parking was an issue because the place we went did not have parking. Doesn't we had to, lot. we we had to park a couple of streets away and walk to the restaurant that never Jasper's will never do that to you. What a sacrifice you made for your wife. What I, a sacrifice. I am that kind of guy. <laughs> um, also, not only just the, like, I guess we could start with how Jasper's happy hour is putting all the other happy hours to shame. That it's just, it is among the best happy hours in the city, if not the best happy hour in the city. And I have no problem saying that. Bring me your happy hours at me, ha happy hours, because I think Jasper's happy hour is by far the best. Four to 6 p.m. Uh, on great prices on drinks and, and uh, appetizers. But then also they have like another happy hour. There's like two different happy hours, 6 p.m. to close. Almost every other day of the week, you can get a really good deal on something, whether it's burgers and beer, whether it's taps and flats, whether it's bubbles and rosé. There's all kinds of great stuff for you guys. Basically from 4 p.m. to close, there's a happy hour happening at some point. And that's not the case everywhere else in the city. I'm sorry. And, and right now, because the Euros are on, uh, you can catch Jasper's for lunch or like a like a mid afternoon siesta, and just it, it is a fantastic place to just settle in, watch a game, have a few drinks, a little something to eat. I I have been. I will return. Uh, thank God for like the month long tournaments uh, here in the summer. It's it's just a it's just a great place to watch. Yep, you got College World Series with Tennessee and Vanderbilt. Great reasons to go out and watch over the weekend. And, of course, next week, you've got the NHL playoffs, the NBA playoffs still going on. You mentioned the soccer going on. So there's still plenty of reasons to go out and have a cocktail. And you know what? They have air conditioning, and uh, it's hot outside. And you know what goes really well with outside heat? Cold beer. Cold beer does that well. It pairs nicely with 95-degree weather. You know, the timing on it is just sort of perfect with, like, Euros at lunch Mid-afternoon, you got a Euro game. You also have Copa America, which is being played right now. And then convert, you know, right over to NBA uh, playoffs, NHL playoffs, uh, and, and uh, the College World Series. You can, you, can, you can literally spend all day at Jasper's. What, 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 a, what a treat. The food is so good. I'm telling you guys, it's so good. It's, it's so good. So good. It's delicious. Uh, go to Jasper's. Parking lot's also free. Check it out. So I, I grew up obviously a, a diehard baseball fan. It was my first love, you know, collecting cards. And I'll—I I'll, don't mean to, to to date you or me here, but in the early '80s, collecting baseball cards. I learned how to do math on baseball. And the point is, is I love going to Omaha I, as much as maybe even you do as a coach who's competing. And 
I, I just think that there's something about the, the college baseball. And I don't know if it's because you guys know you need to market your product or if it's just because we, we just love talking about baseball. But, but baseball coaches, yourself included, don't seem nearly as guarded or as paranoid and as reserved as the football coaches, the basketball coaches, the NFL, you know, whatever, you name it. I've talked to guys in the SEC in Omaha with the biggest game on the line coming up that night. And they're willing to talk about their first baseman's deficiencies or maybe how great their third baseman is hitting against lefties or whatever. And that's not something that football coaches do. Is, is that just a baseball thing or is there more to that if, that? if that question makes sense. It does make sense. And I mean, I, I think there's, there's some truth to that. And, you, you know, I don't, I don't think all, you know, like all football coaches are the same and I don't think all basketball coaches are the same, but I would say, and I don't think all baseball coaches are the same either. But I would say baseball is pure from the standpoint of you, you think about even at the college level, you, you're essentially you're doing a lot of things other coaches don't do. I mean, you're you're, you're on the field, you work on the field. There, there's certain um, tasks. There's certain you're almost like a little bit farmer, a little bit CEO, a little bit of everything mixed into one. And I, I think because of that, it's just uh there's probably an aura of a baseball coach that's that's a, li a little bit unique. You know, your basketball coach, with the exception of the COVID year, always wore a tie and a jacket and comes in and there's there's gel in their hair. And at least that's my image. That's my perception. Well, well a baseball coach, it's, it's a hat. It's a uniform. It's sweat, sometimes tobacco in your mouth, which I've never done. But, you know, it's just a different look. It's a it's just kind of a, a different feel. So. I, I think because of that, it's it's almost there's a blue collar feel to a baseball coach, and that blue collar feel oftentimes comes out in the personality and their verbiage, and uh, it, it, it that's probably why. Obviously, going to Omaha can be a long slog. It can be a grind once you get out there, in particular with your goals to be there for a very long time. Uh, how what is your message to your players, to your team, to get prepared for? a very long, what is hopefully a very long stay where you're going to be sort of in a hotel room and you're going to have a very regimented sort of cohesive team structure. H how do you prepare kids mentally for that situation? Well, I just try to use my experiences with them. You know, having gone there, this will be the 10th time as a coach. And then I go every year, even if I don't bring a team, which is not as much fun because I'm on the ABCA board, but I, I, I you know, I've taken a lot of notes. I've taken a lot of thoughts and we've been lucky enough at Vanderbilt to go there and we've stayed there. We've stayed there till the end three times. We almost got to the end the other time. So, you know, we, we've been there for a while. I, I do think, Braden, there's a there's a, a big part of this that, that you've got to allow the kids to be tourists. I do. I think there's an awe factor to it that you have to recognize and that you have to welcome. And then you give them the time to do that. And then they transition back to player. And I think we've always done that. I, I really want them to get there and take it in. I want them to feel it. I want them to see it. I want them to eat out together. And then once you start to get into Thursday night and then Friday morning, then it's okay. We, we, now we know why we're here. Now it, it's, it's time to play. But I, I think they really have to enjoy it. I mean, I think the part of it is, it's almost like that Gene Hackman situation in Hoosiers where he pulls out the tape and he measures the foul line to the hoop and he goes, it's the same. Nothing's changed. We'll be playing in something bigger, but it's all the same. And, and you recognize that this is the same too. It's just, we play in front of crowds. These guys have cameras in front of them all the time. And I do think 
Braden, that being in the SEC and being on TV as much as we are, I do think that's a benefit because these guys always have a camera in their face. So it's not new and different to them. It's just, okay, that's, that's what we are. We're just in a different part of the country doing it. So uh, I think that's the part, just going from tourist to player and let them enjoy it. Uh, it's one of my favorite things, and maybe it's like weird for me to think this, but it's one of my favorite moments to watch a kid step into the box at TD Ameritrade for his first ever at bat in Omaha, because yeah. you can just tell like the eyes are a little bit bigger. The knees are a little bit shakier. Like you can just tell that it's different. And to your point, I guess the idea is to take that that edge off, right? Like that's the idea. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, it is. I mean, I just think that that's that's why getting there and just enjoying it first makes makes a lot of sense to me and it's always made a lot of sense to me and i i feel like the kids are, are comfort because the reality is Braden, the first team to relax first has the best chance of winning what is it about this trip that fans just have no clue about that the media has no clue about like is there something to this trip that you know that we just don't expect that the u.s have to go through on a, on a daily basis no, not really. I mean, I think, uh, you know, I think if you stay a long time, there's a lot of dead time, but I don't, I don't think there's anything that, you know, where it, it's kind of business as usual. Once you get there, you stay in routine of what you're doing. You just bring in your home situation to the road. I, I think the, the, the thing on a normal year and certainly not this year is uh, you're spending, it, it's very busy. You're spending a lot of time with your host group, you're spending a lot of time with uh, media obligations. It, it's all good, but I, I don't think there's a lot of rest time. Certainly Friday is the busiest day because in a normal year, we don't have it this year, but you practice. There's media obligations. You got opening ceremonies. You have the dinner with the other teams. Friday is just a whirlwind and, and you can get into Friday and it, you can be done in Monday and say, where did this time go? So I, I think it, it was really busy. I mean, it's going to be uh, different to experience th this year because a lot of those things have been taken away because of COVID. So that good, bad, and different, that's what yeah. it is. But we'll still be playing. And I, I just think the the festival of baseball and the fact that it this this particular tournament, and I don't want to die anytime soon, but to me, this is heaven. This is, this is heaven. When you go here, it's like it brings people from, you know it, it brings people from all over the world to one place, and it's just a festival of nice baseball. It, it is Americana in its purest form. There's, yeah. there's no question about that. Uh, so you mentioned the media access. Uh, you know, a lot of teams during this pandemic situation over the last 18 months have restricted access because Zoom is controllable and there's not as much access between reporters and, and players. And, and certainly that's to the team's benefit, they think at least, generally, the NFL, the NHL. I think it actually hurts the, the entire process. But again, I'm just a, I'm just a media guy here. Um, don't you think that hurts college baseball, though, to, to not have as much access? I know why they do it. It's They have to make the smart decision. I get all of that looking out for the players. But don't you think that that limiting of access has hurt college baseball to some degree a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I think a little bit, but I, yeah, and I, I do think that that's the one piece of college baseball that has really grown in the last 10 years that I've been here is the fact that there is more access with a network and uh, in Omaha 19, it just, it was kind of the bubble effect and every, you know, it's like you, the kids become a commodity. It, it, you know, I often wonder, and I, I don't say this as a recruiting ploy at all, but if Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter go play professional baseball 
for a certain amount of time until they get to the big leagues, they, they actually become irrelevant. No one knows about them. They go, uh, yeah, I knew about them. They were good in high school, but I, I don't know where they are right now. The thing about this is if you're part of a program, you become very relevant. You become a name, you become a brand and uh, because of how they're celebrated throughout the country. And, um, you know, Kumar has experienced that. Jack has experienced that. Sonny Gray experienced it. David Price experienced it. And I think it's it's just one of those things that really helps them. Yeah, well, I didn't mean it like that. You can keep going. You can keep I going if you want. <laughs> yeah. Well, it just helps them as they go forward because they they understand that 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 was such a unique experience and it became fun and they became very celebrated. And, you know, who doesn't want to be celebrated? I mean, every kid from their birthday, from their first birthday party on always wants that one moment when they're sitting in front of the cake, blowing out the candles. And (laughs) these guys get the opportunity to do that. Yeah, you you missed Bueller, you missed Fulmer, you missed you missed Beatty. I mean, come on, coach, you got too many too many more guys on there. I'll, and I'll do the sales pitch for you here. Would you rather ride around on a bus in the middle of Montana eating at Waffle House, or would you rather get a degree from Vanderbilt from the best program in America? I that's that's my that that would be my sales pitch. Uh, all right, coach, you've been very gracious. I know it's a really busy week for you, so congratulations. But I'll leave you with this. Yeah, uh, for all of us Americans out here, and I've I've been to the event four times. Uh, I, I, I do not come back weighing less. Uh, I know that you are a, a very healthy person who works out a lot and it takes care of himself. How many steaks will you consume in a two week period of time in Omaha? I, I, yeah, I will eat steak. I will. It, it, Maggie does not eat meat unless it's a nice piece of steak. But what we've done because we're 60 is now when we order steak, we split it. So uh, we will split it, but you know, if you get a, a nice piece of steak, it's, uh, it, it's, it can be really healthy. I probably will eat steak two or three times. If I was there 15 days, I probably eat two or three times and yeah, I'll, I'll enjoy that. I, it, 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 I should, you know, it's, I think it's one of those places, you know, that you go there, you should eat steak, you know, you should enjoy that and just can always get healthy when you get home. And, and the most important question of the entire interview, <laughs> how is the steak prepared? Medium well. I ruin oh, it. Oh, oh, oh. I know. I know. Oh. <laughs> I know. It's just, that's it's how I do it. I just don't like anything pink, you know? Well, just just practice this. I, I You know, I share a steak with my wife and I cook it medium well because that's what she wants. Just say that. You won't offend the people of Omaha that way. Okay, that's what I do. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Tim Corbin. Uh, Obviously, congratulations on a wonderful season. We do appreciate your time. Thank you, Braden, very much. That was Tim Corbin, head baseball coach for the Vanderbilt Commodores. Uh, Notice I called him Tim. You did call him Tim. I I just want people to notice. I took note of that. I did a little fist pump when uh, when I heard you call him Tim. I was great. I had uh, Carl Taylor, the head coach of the Milwaukee Admirals, shameless promotion on the Gold Standard this week, and I said, Good "Carl, I said Carl, how are you?" <laughs> and he said, "I'm fine, Braden." <laughs> it's like imagine that using first names for people that are named things. Uh, as anyway, hu- as humans do. Yes. I- anyway, uh, uh, Mr. Steve, Mr. Cavendish. Anyway, your your thoughts on the Tim Corbin interview? Uh, you know, Tim, Tim is, is one of the most thoughtful guys out there. And, and I'm, I'm, I was struck by, I, I've heard, I've heard him interviewed for years. He's very used to his teams being in this position. Uh, and the, the sort of the, 
that you know this is their fifth time to this is their fifth time to go to Omaha under un, under his kind of tutelage, and, and he is he's just one of the best interviews uh, out there right now. I I I I, I, I love the guy. I'm I'm not a Vanderbilt fan. I'm not particularly a Vanderbilt baseball fan, but yep. you you cannot help but respect the 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 job that he's done and sort of the. The, the position that he has them in is a college power year in and year out. I, I was I was a little surprised to hear him talk so much about the community. It's not a surprise that he believes that at all, but to hear him talk about that 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 much about you know Nashville and the community and we want to be out and involved and with people. And it's like I used to see James Franklin sitting at Vanderbilt baseball games, like like in Corbin. I want to say James Franklin is at the games in Omaha, and Tim Corbin's at games at Penn State sometimes when James Franklin's got a big game and. Their, their relationship is very interesting. And, and I would I would definitely put Tim Corbin in the same category as the Bill Belichick's and Nick Saban's of the world, not just because of the success, but because of the way they sort of view the whole process. It, it is so much, of, it's more about people. It's not about the, the sport. And as he said in that interview, we, we started out because we love, you know, playing the game, playing ball, gloves and bats and balls. And, and now it's about kids and people and human beings. And it's just... I don't know. He's just a fascinating dude. He's just, uh, I've seen him do some really amazing things and some really difficult things in his career, including the Donnie Everett stuff. And it's just, he just sort of knows what to do and, and knows how to message it all outwardly to recruits, media fans, everybody. My, well, why not spend your time out in the community? Why, you know, why? I mean, it's <laughs> right. a, it's a good time to be Tim Corbin. <laughs> I mean, it really is. I mean, I, I you serious walk into a place. People yeah. are like, people are like high-fiving you and, you know, saying go get him, coach, and you know, I, I, go get him, Tim. <laughs> now, there is one problematic thing we have to talk about. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Tim, friend, yeah, yeah, don't eat your steaks medium well. I know, dude. I, I mean, you're just you're you're killing the taste of the beef. Uh, like you're gonna go to Omaha, and, and it's not that you can't order a, a a steak medium well in in Omaha. You shouldn't, but you're going to some, you're getting some of the best beef in the country and you're removing all of the flavor from I, it. I, you, you heard my saying, reaction. You heard my I'm reaction. I'm not saying you have to, to eat it tartare, although tartare is fantastic. <laughs> you can, <laughs> it's but, an interior cut of meat, Tim. <laughs> but, but my God, why, why would you, why would you, I mean, it, uh. you would not want people desecrating your field. I, don't do that to the beef. So like that what, beef what, gave its life for you. Honor it with more. Just yeah. take it down a notch. Just, no, just have it done medium. I know. I was pretty appalled at that. Um, and I've been to Omaha a bunch of times. And again, you do eat a lot of red meat. And you you have to like, you've got to be very, I don't want to say worshipful, but you need to honor the beef and honor the, cow, the beef. honor the cow that you are consuming that gave its life for you because it's a high quality cow. And, and it's as good a beef as you're going to get anywhere in the world. Um, I will say, like, what would be the equivalent in baseball? Like, running from first base on, like, a like down by four? Like, what, what's the equivalent of going medium well on a steak in baseball? Like, just, just, like, the biggest mistake you can possibly have where a coach just looks at you and goes, what are you doing? I mean, I, I think of I think of like some uh, some some manager tantrums where guys have like picked up bases and thrown them, or <laughs> or, or or something like that. I mean, no, I'm thinking but, about the guy who like does the you know like running the football on third and twelve. You know, you know what I mean? Like I'm thinking about that kind of mistake where 
you know, you, you, you turn around, you catch an out, you turn around and throw the ball into the outfield and there's only two outs, you know, like that, like that's, that's the level of mistake that we, we think Tim is making here with medium. Well, so I think that, I think we've ripped on him enough. I think that's enough ripping on coach. Don't do it. Just don't do it. <sighs> At least he understood. Like, as he said it, he, you could, t- I could, I could see his face and he was like, I'm, I don't want to say this out loud, he, but I, he knows, he knows in his heart. He knows yeah. in his heart that it's wrong. You just to just take it, step down one notch coach. You're going to be much happier. His very much clear, happier. his very clear arteried heart is, <laughs> he knows exactly <laughs> that it's wrong. <laughs> All right. Recommendations on the show. Mercifully. Um, you want me to go first? Can I go first? Go first. Do you like watching shows with subtitles? Uh, occasionally. Yeah. Is it a non-starter? So you no, think- it's not a non-starter. I mean, okay. I, I've I've watched some some great stuff with with subtitles. Uh, usually, I ended up watching it twice. Okay, um, but Narcos but- Narcos is pretty good on subtitles. Um, we started the Bureau. I, I will say I will say this: I prefer subtitles over dubbed. Uh, oh, we got I mean, yes, yes. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. dubbed yeah, yeah. dubbed dubbed speech is just the devil. No, it's, it's just terrible. Because I I hate subtitles, and my wife's had to put subtitles on like Peaky Blinders. <laughs> and and I'm like, what? It, it distracts me because I'm trying to watch the screen. So generally, it does distract me if I can understand it. Which with Peaky Blinders, I can. But with the Bureau, they're all speaking in French and like you know, <laughs> Arabic and like a million other languages. And it's so it's it's about the French, the French foreign sort of their version of the CIA uh, or the FBI or whatever. It's their their version of MI6 or the KGB. And it's on AMC. We watched the first episode actually last night. Um, I'm very interested. I've heard a lot of great stuff. I've been, uh, there's five seasons of it, so you don't have to worry about like there not being a lot of content. So there's plenty of content if you like it. Um, I'm very interested because the other thing subtitles makes you do, put your phone down. Yes. It forces you to watch the screen, the big screen and not the little screen. So, yeah, you, I, so far I like two, it. You're having a two-screen experience on screen, not... not... <laughs> right, right. 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 So I'm really into spies. I recommended the spy and the trader last week. So I'm, I'm obviously now I'm not, now I'm an international spy expert. So now I want to watch the bureau and, and it's very good. I've heard nothing but good things. We watched the first episode. I'm in, I'm already in on the first episode. The, uh, the, the, the guys who are, who run the watch podcast absolutely love this show. They just did a, did just did a big deep dive on it. And I, I listened to the first episode and then saved the rest of them because yep. I, I was so intrigued and we're, we're going to go back and watch it uh, at some point this summer. Do you want to watch it together, Steve? Yeah, that's a little. <laughs> that's a, it's a little much. <laughs> All right, man. What you got? Um, uh, I, I've already mentioned it once in this uh, a podcast. If you're not watching the European Championships right now, you're missing some of the best soccer out there. I'm, <laughs> I'm watching this over Braden's shoulder. I just watched Wales <laughs> score a goal here a second ago. Uh, it's uh, in, in many ways, it is better. It, it is a better tournament than the, than the World Cup. You can't beat the World Cup for like kind of what it means and the drama and so forth. But, but you're never gonna. You get a better collection of teams at the Euros, and they when they expanded it this this year, I think up to twenty four. Um, they got uh, they got some extra teams in there that I think are making this a really compelling tournament. Um, it's just it's just the some it's just the best soccer that's out there it's better than copa america don't at me folks you know the the highest parts of copa america are really great but nobody wants to see bolivia play ecuador ever again so (laughs) wow um but you know argentina uruguay great great game but you know the rest of it is yeah yeah. it's it's not not quite the same as the european nations as, as far as history and talent goes all right i think that 
that about does it for this week's episode. Congratulations to Vanderbilt and Tennessee for making it to the College World Series. I think it would be big tournament. I, I think the entire state would burn to the ground if those two were playing in the national championship series, which is very possible. Very possible. I I was trying to game out the, I was trying to game out the path on this. You know, it, it's going to take a few things, but I I think it's very, I think it's, I think it's very possible. Yeah. And it's kind of insane to think about actually, but how much fun would that be? Oh, Oh my God. How much fun would that be? One game. I have a theory that there is more resentment and cultural warfare and just sort of like snobbery between the two fan bases in Vanderbilt and Tennessee than there actually is in like Auburn, Alabama. Now, Auburn, Alabama, everyone's, they're just kind of the same people. They just chose a different team. They all live in the same streets and the same houses and the same churches and they go to the same schools and stores and everything. Vanderbilt and Tennessee is like true class warfare in the SEC. What, what are you saying about Vanderbilt? What am I saying about Tennessee? <laughs> so, so I just think, it, I, I, I don't know. I'm just saying, I, the way they interact this past couple of weeks on Twitter, the last couple of months, please, God, let them play in the national team. Oh, my God. It would, it would be so entertaining. Yes, so entertaining. Uh, go to Jaspers as well, because Lamestream Sports is brought to you by? Jaspers. The, the, the next evolution of the sports bar. Nice. Well done. Uh, the menu is fantastic. There's air conditioning, which works great. It's just as good as the menu, and the parking lot is free as well. Jaspers. Jaspers. We had the maintenance, guys. Check up on our air conditioning. And the parking lot is free. That's why you come here. Uh, also, the food and drinks are genuinely great, but we, we don't have to tell you about that because if you've been, you already know. Uh, for Steve Cavendish, where can people find you? They can find me on the Twitters at Scavendish. Brayden, where can people find you? At Braden Gall on Twitter. Uh, at 440 Sports on Twitter and Facebook for the company and at 440 Media on IG. Thank you all for listening. For Steve, my name's Braden. This has been Lamestream Sports on the 440 Sports Network.